Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he? What's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok, John the Podcaster on Twitter. You're joining us for our special 420 episode here. It is April 20th when you're tuned into this. Believe it or not, I crammed this one in last minute. It's April 19th right now, but you're tuned into our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. Joining us virtually in the studio right down the road here in Austin, Texas, I've got Shada Tarabi with Restart CBD, and she's the host of To Be Blunt, a podcast you can find just like this one anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Shada, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and for making space and time to talk all things cannabis just in time for 420. Absolutely. No, I had to have a CBD or hemp product on for the 420 episode date I release every single Thursday I have since 2021. And so it was just perfect that this year was my first year to have a special 420 episode, especially with the way things are kind of changing uh, in regard to the mindset of hemp and CBD and Delta 8 and all of those things uh, in Texas. So I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to have somebody on that, you know, maybe two years ago, this would have been considered a taboo thing for me to talk about or interview, especially being a firefighter, though I can't partake in uh, hemp, THC, or CBD. Um, CBD a little more than others, depending on how it's made, but honestly, we're not supposed to touch any of it. I can't partake in it, but I can still support it on the business side because it's a legal thing here in Texas, and it's becoming legal across the United States. So I want to hop into all of that stuff. We've already talked for like 30 minutes before we hit record, of course, as always with me but we have to start out with our icebreaker question. And today's icebreaker question, speaking of space, is perfect for those that are uh, waking and baking and then sitting here listening to this show right now. It's perfect for just the subject matter and everything. And that icebreaker question is, would you let aliens beam you up if they came to Earth? Oh, that's that's a no for me. <laughs> you know, we don't know if they're friendly. We don't know if they're doing biopsies. I, I just, I don't, I, you can go first, John, and I will wait and see. <laughs> no, no, that's uh nope, because my answer is the same. I, I'm a very adventurous person. I love trying new things. I love to be the first to like pioneer something that people are scared of, but I'm exactly with you is like, first of all, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't believe that alien life could exist. Um, I've never seen proof that it does. I'm not saying that it does or doesn't. I take no sides on that. What I am saying is if they come to Earth, you're right. I don't know their intentions. And I've seen enough sci-fi movies to know that they could be beaming you up there for all types of probing and cutting stuff off of you and experimenting on humans. They don't have the same you know, Bill of Rights we do. They don't have the same intentions we do. So no, that's a no for me. I, I will pass that to somebody else and let them take that risk first. And I know that I may miss out on the coolest opportunity in the world if they are friendly, but I'll just have to take somebody's stories for that and then take my turn when I know what their intentions are. Yeah. Unless they're beaming down a joint to share with me, it's going to be a, <laughs> a hard no for me at this time. 
<laughs> yep, I hear you on that. Well, we're here to talk about Shada and you know where you came from, how you got into entrepreneurship, and specifically how you got into hemp and CBD and this whole side of things that, again, you know, a couple of years ago would have been illegal, could have gotten you prison sentences, um, could have gotten you a, a felony on your record if you were lucky enough to get away with probation. I mean, all of these bad things. So it's like, how did you turn this into a career? What is your origin story? Yeah, I'll start by kind of, you know, interjecting too. The reality is all the things you said are still very possible, especially in our state of Texas. So I am a born and raised hometown girl. This is my home state. I'm presently in Austin. I was born and raised in Austin as well. And so, yeah, for me growing up, I also have a marketing background. I would say marketing is my passion. I'm very into personal branding, branding in general. And so I was a cannabis consumer for my early, you know, teenage years, but I was not really ever seeing a pathway or an opportunity to work professionally in cannabis, at least in Texas. So I'll kind of get into that, right? So born and raised in Austin, my mother is a Texan and my father is an immigrant from Iran. And I mentioned that because I think having an immigrant father definitely had certain expectations of like what you were going to do with your life or your career. And while I can happily say my dad is pro cannabis was back then and is still presently, that wasn't, you know, part of his path plan for his, you know, firstborn daughter. Like, yeah, go, go get a degree and go work in cannabis. So I'm super grateful that I have the support of both my parents navigating into this industry, but that was not what I was intending on doing by any means. And Really, for me, my journey kind of intersected a time in my life where I was formerly working for a corporate tech company. So I come from technology platforms. I was doing event marketing. I was doing brand marketing. I was doing partner marketing, product marketing. If you can't tell, marketing is my space, my favorite place to exist in. And I was climbing a corporate ladder. Honestly, I would watch Shark Tank. That's kind of my you know, side passion show that I just love to watch. I love being inspired by entrepreneurship. And I should also mention my parents are small business owners in the insurance space. So to me, growing up with an immigrant father, my parents are small business owners. I'm watching Shark Tank a lot, but I'm working for someone else. And I didn't really see how I was going to jump from my career to being an entrepreneur. Like that hadn't really formulated as a uh, as a plan as a as a path for me. I think I had certainly had aspirations, but I'm sure you know you the listeners can relate when you're watching Shark Tank. It's like, "Oh, that's a really good idea. I wish I would have come up with that." Or, yep. "Oh, that's a cool idea. How could I apply that to something that benefits me or that I'm, you know, interested in?" And so that mentality of, "Huh, what is my thing that I could do?" That was I was stuck. I like had no idea what I was going to do to become an entrepreneur. And so this intersection going back to that point, I was for sure consuming cannabis. I can publicly say that because I share it all the time. It's maybe a little taboo being a Texan, but yes, I I grew up in Austin. Austin, for the most part of my life, has been super decriminalized. We can get into that later if you'd like because Austin formally became decriminalized last year, but it's always been super friendly. I think if you're in a major city in Texas, even though we're not legalized, it's still pretty, you know, people look the other way um, within reason, you know? And so for me, it was something that I was very friendly with, 
growing up in Austin, live music capital. I think live music and cannabis go really hand in hand. And so here I am, you know, on my career journey and consuming cannabis in my free time and listening to music and just, you know, watching Shark Tank. And I was walking home one night from work and I was walking to my parking garage and my car was parked and I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian and I fractured my pelvis in two places and was thrust into Western medicine, recovery, chronic pain, opioids, steroid injections, you name it, they were prescribing it to me. And I was in my mid-20s and that was a really confronting, you know, challenge for many reasons. One, I was hit by a car and I couldn't really reconcile like what had just happened to me and let alone like what impact that would have on my life, not just in like the months to come, but the years to come. And so like presently now, you know, six, seven years later, if I can do math, it's always the joke, right? The marketer cannot do the math. And that's me. I'm like, yes, numbers, not my friend. No. So let's say five or six years ago, I'm in chronic pain today. You know, I deal with pain. It's not like the pain went away because I, I found cannabis. I just now can better manage my pain because of cannabis. And so for me at the time, I was definitely consuming. I was also doing opioids, steroid injections, like I had mentioned. And my mother of all people, this sweet little Texas lady, she's a little bit of a hippie, I should mention. She's like, have you heard of CBD? And this is in 2015, 2016. And I thought she was cuckoo crazy. I was like, mom, <laughs> let me Google that for you one second. Oh, it's in marijuana. I'm good. Like, I don't need your CBD, whatever this is you're trying to feed me. And so to kind of put it in perspective, in 2018, hemp became federally legal. And in 2019, Texas legalized hemp. And so here my mom was in 2016 saying, do you know what hemp is? And I'm like, this lady is wild. I don't know what she's talking about. But I'm a firstborn, uh, like I mentioned, of an immigrant father. I have two younger sisters. My parents, I love them dearly. When they say something, I try to be respectful. And so my mom was very persistent. I think you should try CBD. I think you should try CBD. I hear it can help with inflammation. I hear it can help with bone growth. I hear it can help with this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, you know, what's the worst it's going to do? Maybe it does something. Maybe it does nothing. But I won't know unless I try it. And so that accident was really the catalyst for my family surrounding me with support to try CBD for the first time. And we would try, I say we, because my mom was making me topicals. She was making me edibles. She was making me smokable products. And again, in the perspective, it wasn't federally legal yet in 2016. We had a couple of years to go. So this wasn't like a marketplace where you can go out to the store right now and buy these products. This was truly no man's land. And my mom was sourcing raw materials from rogue places at the time. And so we didn't really know much about the plant. We didn't really know how people were dosing it. We didn't really know anything about consumption, different form factors. And so, you know, the best way we knew how to understand it was to be guinea pigs ourselves. And so I became the guinea pig in my own healing journey and started overdosing myself on high CBD products that my mom was making for me. And it was so effective that I was able to get off my opioids. I was able to stop steroid injections. And I was able to use cannabis exclusively to help me manage my pain. And that's really been my protocol since that accident. And so to kind of wrap up the origin story, you know, we as a family became very supportive of CBD. I mentioned, you know, being the test subject. So meaning 
Well, what does 10 milligrams do to me versus 100 milligrams? Okay, well, let's see and let's document it. Okay, well, what does smoking something do versus eating something? Okay, well, let's document it. And so that became a practice for me and my family to kind of understand, which really gave us the confidence and the foundation that would later become Restart CBD. But I had no intention of launching the business. I was happy to take the products. Again, the market wasn't even open yet. So there was no, ooh, this is my Shark Tank idea. Like this is this is the thing that's gonna set me up for a business to become an entrepreneur. I was just like, glad I'm not in pain as much as I was. Happy it's cannabis. Cool, we're learning some stuff. And so that was really the tip of the iceberg that would become the wild ride that we've been on for the past. We're going in business uh, five years this August, and we've been super fortunate to be nationally recognized. Like you mentioned in the intro, I have a cannabis podcast. I mentioned offline, you know, I'm the president of the Texas Hemp Coalition, our state's leading advocacy nonprofit. We are very involved in advocacy going down to the state capital. Right now we're in session. Texas meets every two years. So talking about all the bills being introduced for better or for worse to help shape this industry. And, and, and I love it. I I'm, I'm grateful. As I mentioned, you know, I was a cannabis consumer before my accident. And so now the accident allowed me a professional opportunity to kind of lean into the conversation and to launch our business and brand. And so that was really what led us to launching restart. And yeah, I'm sure we can get into more of the nuances because over five years, certainly things have changed quite a bit being in the industry, but we're super grateful to be here and just really grateful to have a platform to talk about cannabis and, and help really allow people to um, shed some of the stigma. Our whole you know, sla- uh, tagline slogan is rethink cannabis. I know you mentioned you know CBD, Delta 8, THC. One is psychoactive, one isn't. And so I love being an operator in the space who gets to educate consumers to know that you don't have to have a psychoactive experience if that's not what you want. Or, hey, here's how you can best use CBD and THC together. Or, oh, hey, here's a whole other cannabinoid that maybe you didn't even know existed that could help with X, Y, or Z. And so we're really scratching the surface of the industry and especially here in Texas, but we're really proud to be one of the leaders helping shape the cannabis conversation in the Lone Star State. That's a crazy thing about marijuana in general. To me, you know, like we talked about off the show, obviously being in the industries that I'm in, it's not something that I'm able to partake in because of the nature of our job, right? And I get it. 100% the last thing you need is someone who's in charge of someone else's safety and saving lives to be under the influence of anything, legal substance or not. Um, But I think that there is such a stigma still attached by so many that kind of categorize marijuana as a whole into this just simple, it's a drug, it gets you high, and it's for pleasure, and that's it. And it's like, there's so much scientifically behind marijuana, first of all, that we don't know yet, things that we're learning constantly. And then even the things we do know, just as you said, there's so much behind it with dosing, the type of, you know, does it contain THC or not? Is it just CBD? I don't even know what the difference is between Delta 8 and Delta 9. I don't know what Delta even means. I just know that it was some type of legal CBD slash THC-ish type product that was made. You know, Uh, I hear about these things, but it's not something I'm even up to snuff on completely. And it's like, so anyone who is so closed-minded that they just hear marijuana and automatically, nope, that's a drug. It's bad. You know, I think it's still a product of a generation that was so influenced by the war on drugs 
and what the Reagan administration did, though, a lot of things were very, very good things. Um, there was a lot of bad that came out of that stuff as well. And I think that demonizing marijuana as a whole is one of those bad things. You know, we look at things like cigarettes and I know I'm getting off on this tangent, like this rant here, but we look at cigarettes. It's perfectly fine for me to smoke cigarettes, which contains nicotine that is an intoxicant and it's highly addictive. And there's nothing good about smoking a cigarette. It is absolutely nothing but bad chemicals that are killing you proven to uh, cause cancer so much so that the industry itself is regulated enough. They have to put out their own commercials, demonizing the product they're selling, and they know it's still going to sell like hotcakes. But then you have marijuana that has good effects, bad effects, good things, bad things. I think it's a larger conversation of more than just marijuana, but it's everything from the gun debate that's going on now to anything you want to use, whether you're drinking alcohol um, using harder drugs, whatever the case may be. It's not that anything itself is inherently bad. It's the intention of and the use of that product by the person that's using it. Now, obviously, in my personal opinion, I think that the extremely hard chemically manufactured drugs, those have been known to cause more bad effects than good, not have a medical use for them, uh, some of them. And so it's like, I can understand kind of shunning those things. But when it comes to something like marijuana, it's like, can someone use marijuana in a bad way and create a bad name for it and themselves? Yes. Can you use a gun in a bad way and create a bad name for guns? Yes. And I think that we're looking too closely at inanimate things as a being that is able to make decisions or cause you to make certain decisions. Can it influence it? Absolutely. But if you're dumb enough to drink and drive, then you were going to make that decision, whether it was alcohol that was in your system, marijuana that's in your system, something else. It all comes down to the human choice on how to use that. And I say all of that to say that I'm glad that there are people like you that are educating in this industry because there is so much to learn about marijuana. It's something that I don't even have a complete uh, understanding of yet, you know, as far as the different types that are out there. CBD, what it does, what the benefits are. Um, versus THC being, like you said, more of that hallucinogenic effect and all of that stuff. Those are things that I was kind of taught in school about how the drug reacts. And then especially when it comes to medical training and stuff like that, but it's still even so shunned in the medical industry that, I mean, up until recently, they wouldn't even admit, not even that they wouldn't admit, but they were actually actively campaigning against marijuana altogether, saying there is no medicinal benefit to it. It's not even worth discussing there's nothing medically good about it. And now we're finding out some of those new things. So I think we'll kind of jump to, to be blunt, what is that podcast about? And what are you talking about on that show? Is it mainly just like an educational piece about the industry? Yeah. Let me back up a little bit too. you know, this being a marketing conversation to some extent and us both being marketers. I think when I was just a consumer of cannabis and I was just unaware of some of the nuances of like how cannabis functions in our system. So a little bit of education, you know, whether you consume cannabis or not, your body does have a system called the endocannabinoid system. You have CB1 receptors, you have CB2 receptors, and your body produces naturally occurring cannabinoids called endocannabinoids. And so it's just something to kind of highlight, you know, whether you use it or not, your body has a system that it, it makes you know, functionality with, right? And so backing that into 
whoa, the war on drugs, propaganda, media. I was like, surely there's no way. I mean, even right now, I don't know if this will be video, but I have a devil's harvest. It's an old piece of propaganda poster my sister got me for Christmas hanging in my office. And I remember, you know, you you hear about these movies and you hear about these, these um, just these stories of, oh, this is the stigma. This is where it came from. And I'm like, no, surely it's not from a movie. Reefer Madness, surely it's not from a news article. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, without involving politics, we're kind of navigating through that to some extent right now. You know, do you trust the media? Do you trust what the media is saying? Are they saying it in your best intention? Or are they propaganda for big pharma? Are they propaganda for big ag? Who are they peddling the message for? And so I've been really excited to have these conversations to be blunt getting into the podcast where we can help reshape that conversation both for consumers and for the industry because we now have an opportunity as an industry how do we how do we re-educate consumers to understand and so when you're getting into some of the legalities of this it's like i mean especially with your background EMS and firefighting it's it's you know who 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 benefits when they're on opioids versus who benefits when they're on marijuana? And so I think you're seeing some of that infiltration right now, certainly with how marijuana has been rolled out legally state to state, because we obviously don't have federal legalization. And in states like Texas, our medical program is still super rudimentary in my you know professional opinion. Uh, so it's just really sad when you realize like the only reason that this plant is a schedule one drug is because somebody didn't want us to have access to it because maybe it could help heal us in lieu of something else that they're prescribing. And especially hemp as a crop, hemp is a bioremediator, meaning it sucks up toxins from the earth. It is both good and bad that it's a bioremediator getting into the consumption side of things. That plant sucks up a lot of stuff. And so you want to make sure that the products you're getting are clean and they're properly tested. But on the flip side of that, hemp is a really powerful product. It's a really powerful plant. And so why is hemp as demonized and lumped in with marijuana? Oh, because who runs the newspapers and what did they print the newspapers on? What is the source of that paper? And how does hemp compete with cotton? And you start getting into the timber and the cotton agriculture conversations. And that's really, um, you know, my takeaway from, and this is all out there in the world. I I never want to be the source of truth. I'm just a girl with a microphone who likes to share what I come across. And I really want the public to ask questions. So going back to the media conversation, like question why Reefer Madness was made and the history of that and how that influenced the war on drugs and how that influenced some of the language that has come out about cannabis and marijuana specifically and how that has further demonized this plant that we're now so desperately trying to rewrite the the narrative of, remarket it, so to speak. Um, And so it's really fascinating. It's really wild. It's like, wait, our bodies can process cannabis and we have a system and yet nobody wants us to know that. And it's a bad word. You know, can't talk about it. Even just today, I was promoting something for 420 and I couldn't tell you what buzzword I said. I said Delta A, Delta 9, THC, CBD, something, something. Posted on Instagram. And Instagram was like, eh, you're selling illicit drugs. And I'm like, I'm really not, but I can't have a conversation with you because you're a bot or you're a social media giant and you are controlled by some other entity that doesn't want to have a discerning conversation to help shine a light on the truth. You just want to censor it because you don't understand it or you can't make sense of it right now. And so I think um, 
that's just part of the uphill challenge that we as an industry have to navigate against. And I happily, you know, I shouldn't say happily, but I'm glad that I get to be in this position. It is hard, but I'm grateful that this is is how my life ended up. And I get to have open conversations like this um, with people like you, John. And so getting into the podcast, you know, the podcast is not really for consumers. So it's not um, on that educational piece necessarily talking about dosing or cannabinoids or consumption. I really wanted to make the podcast a place for me selfishly to learn from smarter people who had navigated the industry, especially coming from a place like Texas, where when we launched Restart in 2018, there wasn't a bunch of CBD operators. There were handfuls, but there were certainly not as many as you see in the marketplace today. And so when we were launching our brand, I, as a marketer, was like, okay, well, who else is marketing this? Like, how are you marketing it? How are you talking about this? Like, what does that look like? And I didn't see anybody doing it, you know, at the scale that we were wanting to do it at. And so that was really scary. I think those early days, especially being in Texas, like, I know it's federally legal. So we launched in August of 2018. It became federally legal in December of 2018, and then Texas would legalize in June of 2019. So there were a couple of months where we were operating before it was even federally legal, and then months we were operating before it was state legal. And so I say that not to say, ooh, it was you know, taboo and someone was going to come get me, but it was also like, I don't know, who's regulating? Like, I don't know. Are they going to come and ask me a bunch of questions and ask me where I'm getting this from and ask me what it is? And is this marijuana versus hemp? Like all those questions that consumers are kind of wondering, you know, about this plant. And so we were very like, well, shit, I don't know my left from my right. We're pioneering. We're navigating this. We're paving the way. We're trailblazing. And that for me was where the podcast came in to want to talk to people in Colorado, people in Oregon, people in, you know, New York City who were illicitly selling, you know, in their underground market or some of these states that had brought on early medical marijuana programs like Arizona or now New Mexico. So tracking these different states, anticipating what's going to happen in my state uh, without, you know, getting too much into the weeds of it all. There's a lot that goes into it. I'll condense it in this kind of, you know, frame. As a consumer, speaking about myself, before I got in the industry, Absolutely, I wanted legalization. I want the freedom to smoke pot wherever I am, whenever I want, and I want to be able to get it legally and I don't want to be penalized. Now, as someone in the industry, that statement, I want legalization, that is a big question mark. How are you going to legalize? How many licenses are you opening up? What's the qualification to get a license? Well, who's regulating? What do I have to put on my packaging? What's the dosing requirements? Am I capped at a THC percentage? Are there going to be unlimited licenses or are they going to limit licenses to maybe five in Austin, five in Houston? Like every state so far has had a different rollout of marijuana in their state. And you first have medical marijuana and then you have recreational adult use marijuana. And that for the listeners and for yourself is anything over 0.3% Delta 9 THC. Delta 9 THC is the main psychoactive cannabinoid found in marijuana. But as a hemp operator, hemp is anything less than 0.3% Delta 9. So think of it as Cannabis is the overarching, and I always use the analogy of like citrus, citrus, but then there's grapefruit and there's sun-kissed oranges, and they're both citrus, 
but they have a different genetic makeup that produces variabilities. And so for us, hemp is the same plant. It's why it looks the same as marijuana. It smells the same as marijuana. It just has a lower THC percentage, which qualifies it to be federally legal. And so all my products come from hemp. And so for us, it's really just trying to navigate and understand what's coming down the pipeline federally. So I mentioned Texas is in session right now. We're updating some hemp legislation. There's also some medical marijuana legislation being potentially introduced and updated in the state. But then we also have federal legislation. So we have a 2024, I think it'll be 2024 farm bill, but the next iteration of the farm bill, which is what legalized hemp in the first place back in 2018, coming down, that impacts our industry. And so you're kind of paying attention, well, what's happening at a federal level? Will the FDA regulate? Is the DEA going to get involved? Are they going to deschedule marijuana? That all impacts then the hemp side of the equation. And the last kind of point I'll share on that is I think hemp really flung the doors open, especially for states like Texas, because now you are able to get products like Delta-8 THC, like you mentioned, which is a psychoactive cannabinoid. I'm able to sell Delta 9 THC as long as it's less than 0.3% on a dry weight basis. That's radical. That means I can now sell you psychoactive products in a state like Texas, which is very anti that psychoactivity. And so I feel like it happened so fast. It's almost like the state let the toothpaste out of the tube or the country really did. And so now you're just seeing the industry kind of reconcile and make sense all while still confusing consumers. I don't think consumers fully understand the nuances that we navigate through as an industry. So hope that kind of answered. I know I went a little sideways with it, but I hope it just goes to show the complexities. I was going to say, I think it goes well with the conversation we were having about how many nuances exist within, you know, as you said, marijuana or CBD or hemp or THC or all of those things that are, you know, kind of like that the politics right it's uh two wings on the same bird left and right wing right and it's like hemp weed whatever you want to call it marijuana thc cbd it's the same thing it's all the same bird it's just part of it's a foot part of it's a wing part of it's a feather part exactly. of it's something that's a little bit different and those are things that i don't fully grasp and i know a lot of listeners don't and i do want to back up and say I won't apologize for politics coming into this conversation. This show is one I have steered very clear of politics because we know how divisive uh, this world can be right now, especially when it's politically charged um, or it's religiously charged or anything else. So politics and religion are typically something I steer away from. But two things. First of all, you're the guest and this is your show. You could talk about whatever you want to talk about on this show. And secondly, your business is too intertwined with politics at this moment to not have a political discussion about these things. And I think that if this sparks an interest in someone to be able to learn a little bit about our political process and the things that we're going through in this scenario, that's a good thing because we are so tired of having politics shoved down our throat that even me, someone who is a very politically involved person as far as listening to things, reading things, watching things, learning about these things. Now, when I see something political on TikTok, I'm like, next, I'm done. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm so sick of hearing politics. But when it comes to this business, there's a very serious side that is, depending on what we're talking about, either very dark, controlling, and manipulative, or can be very freeing and does give us some hope for what's coming in the future. Um, Because whether you're against marijuana or not, I have zero issue with that. 
you know, again, myself personally can't use it, can't be around it. It's not something I can partake in. But at the same time, I'm a very live and let live type person where it's like, well, we allow people to drink. We allow people to smoke cigarettes. We allow people to vape. We allow people to do all of these different things. So why are we not allowing them to make the personal choice to use marijuana or not? And I think it does 100% tie into politics because as you know, especially in the industry you're in, always follow the money. Um, and I think that people need to hear this conversation because they need to know that weed, hemp, marijuana, it, this is not the only industry that this exists in. If you look at our food industry, it's happening there too. These very same arguments you're making about big agriculture is happening in our food industry. Our food pyramid is based off of studies that are funded by the people that serve us food that we buy in grocery stores. If you don't see that as a problem, you're not paying attention to what's happening. And I understand why you're not, but I want to encourage listeners to please listen to these issues. And when you're voting, make these decisions based off of things like our actual freedom, what we're founded on in America, because this is a big problem for us. And it's hard because I, I'm totally fine with telling you that politically, I lean more to the conservative side of things. But the problem that we have is 80% of us are in the middle. 80% of us say, you know what, I lean conservative, but if you want to smoke weed, smoke weed. If you want to be a homosexual, be a homosexual. If you want to, you know, identify as something else, identify as something else. The majority of us in the middle here are saying, I don't care what you do with your life. That's perfectly fine. I'm not going to treat you different. I have friends from all of those walks of life. I have friends that have heavily used drugs all their life, including hard stuff. I just talked to one on the phone the other day that was a childhood friend that is still messing his life up with drugs, but he's still my friend. And I see past the personal decisions he's making to know that I love him as a friend. And so in politics, we have to kind of do that same thing. We have to look and say, you know what, this may not be something I choose to use, but it is something I don't want to limit the use of by someone else. And these things you talked about are so key. If you start following the money trail and you look at who is the one who's out here pushing these things, I mean, look at the vape industry. The vape industry is under so much scrutiny right now. And it's like, you know what? It, it's not worse than cigarettes. I could tell you that it may not be much better and it may not be better at all, but it's not worse. But the cigarette industry is funding a fight against vapes. And now vapes are being blamed for children using nicotine. And it's like, just because it has a good flavor to it doesn't mean that children don't smoke or anything else that still gets some nicotine without a good flavor to it. Like kids are going to be kids and do bad things if they want to. Right. No, I appreciate that point too, because I also take a stance, you know, I'm not political, but I'm very involved in cannabis politics for right. better or worse. You have to and be. I think the biggest, yeah, I think the biggest argument that comes up is it's very one-sided, right? It's like, oh, it's, it's the conservatives that are anti this and, and honestly, I really believe cannabis is bipartisan. I meet people on both sides of the aisle. In fact, when uh, I even have a little sticker, we made um, cannabis for president and we made a website called Bipartisan because yes. cannabis is bipartisan. Um, it did a little campaign during that election. But, you know, it's it's really about understanding how to make change and as much as I want to make change at a federal level, like I said, going back to my story of like, as a consumer, yeah, I want legalization. Duh, I want to be able to have access to this plant. Um, and to your point, maybe 
I don't agree with cannabis, but maybe I could find in my heart, it doesn't bother me that you like it. So let me be supportive of it, whether I actually consume or not. And I take that same stance. You know, I don't consume alcohol, but I'm not going to rain on your parade if you want to go grab a drink after work. And so it's like getting cannabis in that same vein of you don't have to use it, but I hope that you can understand and acknowledge its benefit for certain situations, people, circumstances, and does it have a potential for abuse? Perhaps maybe to your earlier comment in the right, in the wrong hands, pardon me, in the wrong hands or with the wrong understanding of it. But I think we're trying to come in and I say we as Restart, I say we as a leader in Texas cannabis, there are good operators that really want to help consumers understand and be educated. And so that's where it's like, yes, I can make influence at a federal level and I can want to promote and preach legalization, but I want to make the most impact in my backyard for my community, for Austinites, for Houstonians, for Dallasites. Like I want the people who live in my state to have the best understanding of how our state works when it comes to making a path towards legalization, as well as what the current marketplace offers them. And the marketplace currently offers them hemp derived products that, I mean, you know, to kind of go into it a little bit, you were asking, you know, what's the difference between Delta 8 and Delta 9? some some differences and not much differences, right? So I think without getting too confusing with the chemistry of it, it's another cannabinoid. So, you know, 50,000 foot view, the cannabis plant grows and there's over a hundred different cannabinoids. And remember now your body has an endocannabinoid system. It naturally produces cannabinoids. So when we say CBD, we say Delta 8 THC, we say Delta 9 THC, those are individual cannabinoids. And so that in and of itself is so remarkable. It's like, oh, this plant has over a hundred different cannabinoids. Well, what do they do? How do they work in my body? And I think that's the journey that I really want your listeners to take away is to be a little kind of curious. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I don't like the idea of being, you know, psychoactive. I don't want to be high, but hey, I deal with pain too. Well, what could be good for me for pain? Or, or man, we get a lot of customers who come in and they, they just tell us over and over again how they're you know, for lack of a better word, addicted to um, melatonin. Oh my God, I am on melatonin every night and I don't want to be on melatonin. And now there's a ton of reports coming out how bad melatonin is for you, especially accumulating in your body if you're taking it consistently. Well, cannabis is a great plant that has natural abilities to help you get a good night's rest and to stay asleep through the night. So maybe that's something that people could resonate with. It's like, well, I don't want to be high, but hey, I really want to sleep tonight. <laughs> like that sounds really good to me. And so it's like, how do you communicate to those people in a way that makes sense to them? And it's really just about educating and meeting people where they're at. And so I would say that's for us at Restart, really a part of our brand ethos is just treating people like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Like, hey, John, you mentioned that you're you know, interested in cannabis. You tell me about your job. You get drug tested. That's probably not something for you. Okay, well, maybe you could try CBD isolate because CBD isolate is the pure form of CBD that doesn't have trace amounts of THC versus a full spectrum CBD product, which does have trace amounts of THC, which I would argue could make you fail a drug test or even going into those psychoactive cannabinoids. And so it's really understanding what are your needs, What's your situation? What's your circumstance? Um, and so that's really how we try to present ourselves in this conversation is really just asking questions, meeting people where they're at, especially with politics, you know, talking to these lawmakers, they're 
people just like you and I, and they don't know what they don't know. And so how can I come in and, you know, we often, often joke, so I feel like I'll say it here too, you know, no disrespect to the people who love to wave cannabis flags and smoke joints on the Capitol steps, but that's not me and that's not our brand. I don't believe that's how you're going to get people to listen to you. Um, what I prefer to do is to approach conversations by showing up to the Capitol, making appointments to talk to my representatives, my senator and my district and meeting them and sitting down and saying, hey, here's what I know. Here's some upcoming legislation that impacts us. Let me help you answer your questions and hearing them out and trying to get a pulse for what they know and what they don't know, um, rather than just assuming, you know, one way or the other that someone is pro or against something, it's like maybe they just don't know. And so if you give them an opportunity to ask questions in a safe, comfortable environment, you really can start to see, again, going back to that bipartisan, I really think both pe- both sides of the table really um, have skin in the game when it comes to cannabis. It's just how we talk about it, how we communicate it. And so my whole brand is just to be professional, be a safe space, make people feel comfortable. There's literally no dumb questions. Another thing I'll mention, which is really important for us, you know, because of cannabis's illegality at a federal level, it's really difficult for us. So I can't make medical claims. So as much as I want to say, and so I'm kind of saying this in a, you know, a, 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 a sly, sneaky way, as much as I want to say, hey, CBD really helps with pain and inflammation. And CBN can help you have a good night's rest. And Delta 9 THC or Delta 8 could be a good, you know, recreational wind down or a good high for you or good pain management. I legally can't say that. I can't say that these cannabinoids have a medical effect, that it will do X, Y, or Z, right? And so I think that's hard because consumers want explicit. They want to know, hey, if I take this, and I take this much, is this going to do the output for me? And I think that's really hard for consumers to understand. It's not a smoke this joint and your troubles go away, your pain goes away, you sleep better tonight. It's maybe, maybe you should eat an edible instead because it's going to give you different effects. Or maybe you should be consistent and take it every day for 30 days at this dose and then halfway through double your dose to this dose. It's very situational. Cannabis is fat soluble. So depending on your biochemistry, your body, your fat, your diet, you and I could eat the same edible and have different effects. Um, And those are conversations that we want to have absolutely. And so we welcome those conversations because it's not a one size fits all, but there's limitations due to cannabis's scheduling right now. And so we have partnered with a cannabis staffed nurse hotline based in Colorado So they are medical professionals, licensed medical professionals by the state of Colorado, and they believe in cannabis. And so they have a nonprofit where they offer assessments based on your needs as a consumer, and they pair that with what they know about different cannabis products, as well as just general education around everything we're kind of touching on high level doses, different cannabinoids, et cetera. And so they're called LEAF 411. And so we are a paying member into their service. And I get to offer that to my customers for free. So I can't say, hey, John, you're on this medication and I really think you could get off it and try cannabis instead because you tell me a lot of anxiety and I think that cannabis could help for your anxiety. I unfortunately can't cross that line. But I could say, hey, John, I really want you to take this seriously, and I don't want you to get off your medication prematurely. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I can't advise you to get off your medication. 
but here's a resource with people who do understand medication. They understand the implications of cannabis when it comes to your medication. They can understand a little bit more about your unique situation and then they can recommend, hey, take this type of product in a gummy form at this dose or this strength and kind of guide you in that manner. And we are really grateful that they exist as a partner for us to be able to kind of usher people into that safe space to continue that curiosity because I just really think people, to your kind of earlier point, they just think it's all about getting high and that's not the case. And so I really hope people take away from this conversation that there's so much more to cannabis and it all just really stems from having conversations with people that you know are educated and can help point them in the right direction. So, Yeah. I mean, that was the point of my political rant was we don't need to vote for lawmakers based on right or left, you know, because they are wings on the same bird. The The political system has one one job that they really serve to do. And so we need people who are open-minded and who are willing to hear out the other side. And the reason that's so important to me is because I know that when these things are being introduced to be legalized or to be used medicinally, you need to have research backing all of this. And that's the main key that, you know, marijuana as a whole has been up against this entire time is that when it's a schedule one drug and listed as no medical uses at all, that means that no medical testing is occurring. And so it's so important to get these things legalized so that we can understand that because as much information as you're giving me right now, I already know for a fact that there's so much more out there that we don't know or understand because we haven't had the opportunity to do the testing. You had to do anecdotal testing yourself, like you said, on yourself to know your dosages, but it's not something that you were able to test on a hundred people, a thousand people, or a million people right. to say, in general, this much to this much works for these type of people the best, you were only able to really dose it for yourself. And you had to do that kind of in hiding because even though these things were being used and were kind of legal, kind of not, it was still crossing lines and you still could have wound up, you know, in handcuffs. I mean, we saw it all the time, 2016, 17, 18, before other states even started legalizing it. The federal government was still coming in and raiding facilities in California and locking up people just like you because they were doing what they legally could in their state, but federally it was still illegal. So it's an insane amount of conversation we could have about this. I mean, I think this episode could easily last three, four hours because there's so much to unpack. And then there's still going to be more like we're still going to have more things to talk about in the very near future based on how these things change. But I think it is important even if you're not on the full legalization for recreation side of things that you should be on at least a medicinal, um, not even just decriminalization, but actually allowing it to be legal. And if you don't know, not you, but our listener, if our listener doesn't know the difference between decriminalization and then legalizing something, those are things you need to learn and brush up on because it's important when you're voting based off of how these people are, um, thinking about and voting themselves on these bills, decriminalizing is very different than legalizing. And all of those things come into play with this stuff. And so I think it's awesome what you're doing. But I do want to clarify one thing for our listener that's listening right now and saying, you know what, I love John the Marketer. I love this show. And generally, I enjoy listening to these things, but I'm, I'm totally against weed. And I just don't like it. Does Restart CBD sell any 
100% THC. This is, you know, weed. Are you a weed dealer? No. So yeah, I wanted to, I'm glad you asked that because I want to kind of clarify, you know, what we can and what we can't do. So I think when you think of like traditional, again, using kind of that analogy, I use cannabis as a general term. And then I use marijuana and weed would be an extension of that is anything with high THC. So over 0.3% Delta 9 THC, and then hemp being anything less than 0.3% Delta 9. But when I'm talking about cannabinoids like CBD, that exists in hemp and marijuana. THC, that exists in hemp and marijuana. So it doesn't matter which plant it comes from. The difference for me is what's legal and what's illegal, right? And so, no, marijuana is not legal in Texas. We have a very baby medical marijuana program, which is hoping to make some strides this session. We'll see how far they get. But I sell everything hemp-derived, but that does create an interesting, I don't know if I should say the word loophole, but it's a loophole. So with that, you know, the market, when we first opened up, we were really just predominantly selling CBD products, CBD being non-psychoactive. I think the word loophole is appropriate in this context because I think both the federal government and the Texas state government also did not think that we would be introducing smokable hemp flour or vape products or Delta 8 THC, et cetera, et cetera. And so originally the language has stayed the same, that less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC on a dry weight basis, but the products have evolved kind of to your point of we need better testing. And so I think because of hemp's legality, it's opened up more awareness like, oh, what are these other cannabinoids? What do they do? And so as a result, brands like mine are able to sell a wide range of products that run the spectrum from CBD. Like I mentioned, you know, kind of predominantly people, and this is anecdotally and not medical advice by any means and certainly not legal, (laughs) but you know, pain, sleep, anxiety is really what I see people coming in anecdotally for CBD for, um, CBN is another one in the marketplace that you're seeing pop up both in our market here in Texas, as well as in legal states like California, Colorado, people like to take it for sleep. CBG is another one known to be anti-cancer. People take it because it also has some creative properties with it. And then you get into Delta 8 and Delta 9. So legally, yes, I'm able to sell you psychoactive cannabinoids because of the way the law was written. So for people who are used to a California or Colorado product experience, you can find those types of products at my store and at other CBD brands and retailers, uh, not just in Texas, but across the United States. But so because everything that we sell comes from hemp, everything I sell can be shipped nationwide. So for example, let's say you have a listener who is living in Let's say, uh, what's a good state? Maybe uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is medical marijuana legal. So those people can access marijuana, but they are listening to this and they're not interested in medical marijuana, but they're like, oh, I'm really curious about what Shade is talking about. They can buy my products and I can ship straight to their door all 50 states, and they can have the same effect as if you were to go to a legal state just because of the way that we have access to cannabinoids due to the language of the hemp farm bill and Texas's bill that legalized in the state. So I know that was kind of like a roundabout way, a long-winded way to answer it. No, I cannot sell you marijuana and weed that is illegal, 
but I can sell you hemp-derived psychoactive cannabinoids like Delta-8 THC and Delta-9 THC that would get you the same effect as marijuana slash weed, if that makes sense. It does. And I think it's important because that's what I don't want is for a listener here who is unintentionally being closed-minded about it, right? Because they say, well, I don't like weed. I don't want to support weed. I don't want to smoke weed. But maybe they'll open their mind up enough to say, this is different. It's, you know, just like that, uh, <laughs> what's that movie? Same, same, but different. Like, Yeah, same, same, but different. It, it's got some some very similar things about it, but it is different. You're not just smoking weed that you were against when you were growing up or uh, that your parents were against when you were growing up. It's it's a different thing. It is becoming more recognized, more legal in more places. Um, as you said, there's specific uses for it and reasons that you should or should not take it depending on what you have going on. So I want people to know that they can support it and not be going against what they have just been driven to be against for so long. Um, and, and that said, it's the way that you can capitalize on what we are allowed to do in Texas right now until the day comes that we do have that um, open just legalization or at least decriminalization of weed in general, all products of it, whether it's a cannabinoid or a THC or Delta 9 or Delta 8 or any of those things. But I will say too, you know, we've seen some of that back and forth already. So Delta 8, Again, I'm not in the industry, so like you, I'm not totally 100% educated on it, but Delta 8 came out to Texas and was legal, and then it was taken away, and they were challenging it in the courts, and then it came back temporarily. So what was kind of the story on that as far as Delta 8 is concerned? Why did we see that back and forth, and where do we stand now? Is it something that's going to be around for a while, or are we still at risk of losing that? Yeah, that's a great question that maybe helps clarify what we're talking about for the consumer potentially listening, right? So let me think of how to structure this. Um, so I mentioned earlier, you know, the state of Texas and federally even, because this is for sure a federal issue. I don't want you or the listeners to think that Texas is the only state who's dealing with anti-Delta 8 language. It's happening across the board. You know, I think from a government perspective, if I could distill it down, it's they didn't know that they were legalizing that. Again, they thought they were legalizing CBD. They thought they were legalizing industrial hemp. So I mentioned in kind of the intro, hemp's a really great remediator. It absorbs toxins from you know soil. It's a really great alternative to paper. It's a great fiber. The government was like, yeah, I can get behind that stuff. That seems reasonable. And there is an FDA-approved drug called Epidiolex, which is CBD. So from a government perspective, there's like a box that they're willing to play within when it comes to this, right? And I think that that was their original intention. That's kind of why I was using the word loophole earlier. I don't think that this was their intention. And so now what you're seeing is the cleanup of that, both in legislation and in regulation. So Texas is one of many states that meets biannually for their you know, due process. And so some stuff happens in session that impacts us. And then we have two years until the next time we can deal with it in like a law. And then what happens in between is regulation, regulatory. So for Texas, hemp is regulated by the Department of State Health Services. And I keep saying it, hopefully it's not, you know, getting lost, but the law is 
legal, anything less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC on a dry weight basis. It doesn't say anything about Delta 8 THC. It doesn't say anything about any other THCs. It just says Delta 9. So again, creatively, people were like, oh, if the law says this, well, then I can surely do that. And so that's when you saw the introduction of Delta 8 THC because in a state like Texas, clearly people want this psychoactivity. They just can't get it in other ways because of the way the law is written. And so we had it hot and heavy in the Texas marketplace and then said regulators were like, whoa, that we feel this is egregious. We feel like you just took advantage of what the legislation said. And they were like, shame, shame, shame. This is actually illegal. At that point, a couple companies were like, this is unlawful for you to come in regulation and make something illegal. Um, and so that is the argument that has been kind of thrown into this back and forth of is it legal, is it not legal? It's it's really, again, a little bit more complicated than that because it's it's a little bit more complicated than that. But right now where it stands is it is legal, um, but it is still potentially like in limbo. So from that lawsuit perspective, there's still some unsettling that has to happen for that to go left or right. But in session, independent from that lawsuit, is more language that is anti-Delta-8 and anti-other cannabinoids. They're using the word synthetic. And I'll take this quick opportunity to clarify, I do not like synthetics, but I believe that there are some cannabinoids that are synthesized that are good for us, Delta-8 being the main one. So there's language being introduced that says no synthetics, and my organization, the Texas Hemp Coalition, is coming in as an advocate and saying, whoa, we agree. We do not like true synthetics. Synthetic meaning a K2, a spice, a completely man-made chemical cannabinoid, if you can even call it a cannabinoid, but that language synthetic muddies what Delta-8 is because Delta-8 is a synthesized cannabinoid. So that's where we're trying to come in and say, whoa, 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 this language doesn't make sense. We don't like it. We want to advise it be different um, to kind of protect that cannabinoid and other cannabinoids in the marketplace in Texas right now. So we have it, but session isn't over. And so I think when session ends kind of around May, obviously this is airing 420. So it's it's real time for more or less. In about a month, we'll know kind of where things settle in Texas again for the next two years. With that said, they could certainly make some adjustments in regular in regulation regulatory. Um so and just to clarify. The, the synthetic, like you said, K2 spice, this is the bad stuff that we hear about where people are trying to do something that is technically legal through loopholes of getting you a high, but it is man-made and it has a lot of effects that we're seeing that are extremely bad, killing people, causing really bad adverse side effects versus synthesized is kind of like taking what naturally occurred and then making it better in a sense as far as just you know, really narrowing down to what it is that's helping and magnifying that it's not manufacturing something. It is just basically boosting what was already naturally there. Is that correct? It's a great word boosting. I would like to also highlight your body, our bodies naturally synthesize cannabinoids. 
So when you, for example, not you explicitly, John, but you listener, when you inhale cannabis, you are essentially inhaling THCA. It's an acid form, THCA. When you heat it with a lighter, you are decarboxylating that THCA and you are converting that A acid into delta-9 THC. So there are conversions, there are natural synthesis that's happening both from a heat, time, pressure perspective that is happening to the cannabis plant. That is where we try to come in and we want to educate, yes, synthesizing is not inherently mean it was synthetic, but synthetics, yes, were synthesized because that's part of the synthetic process. And so unfortunately to the layperson, they don't understand semantics and they're just globbing it all together without really understanding. And when you talk about synthesis, and again, to kind of re-highlight, I think people are really anti-psychoactive. They don't like us being high. Uh, I can understand why, but you're in my earlier points, you know, if you can tolerate people drinking alcohol and having a market for that and nicotine and having a market for that, well, surely you can have a market for cannabis. And like, I'm not saying don't regulate us. I'm actually saying regulate us. Absolutely. Let's have a conversation to regulate us, but let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. And so that's where... When this language gets introduced, synthetic doesn't just mean delta-8 as a synthesis. There are other cannabinoids that are non-psychoactive that are also made in this process. And so by introducing that language, you hurt a whole industry of products that was not the original intent. And so I think that's where it's very challenging because I feel like even as I'm having this conversation, I'm sure you're like, yes, she makes sense, but it's so much. And so I apologize to the listeners too. Like this is a lot of information and really just like the takeaway that I want you to have is keep asking questions, like be curious, like whether it's for you or not, I just want people to understand what they have access to. And maybe it doesn't benefit you listening, but maybe it can benefit your spouse or your grandparent or your brother or your friend who might be curious or navigating something where cannabis could be a better alternative. And so I just need people to understand what the playing field is. And I will make a quick plug for education. We do a whole YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash restart CBD. I'm sure you can help put a link in the show notes. I sit here in this office with my camera and I have these conversations on what is decrim versus legalization. What is Delta 8 versus Delta 9? What is 420? Why do we celebrate it? We just made that video. So we have a whole channel that takes these conversations and makes them a little bit more digestible and kind of like a, you know, bite-sized, just one topic at a time. And really just want, again, people to feel comfortable and confident and not confused, which I totally know it's confusing. And so all they kind of, I guess, need to know from that is hemp derived is federally legal and it's Texas legal. And that's where all my products come from. And we do spend a lot of time in advocacy and education to help make better cannabis policy and laws, as well as help shape the conversation and ultimately the quality of products that consumers have access to for their specific needs. Yeah, it is a lot. And I love it uh, because you're my first CBD company to have on. So that's why it was important to me to do it on 420 and get this information to the public, you know, through my show on 420. 
um, because it is a lot, but I think it's an important conversation, a lot more than just hemp or marijuana or CBD or THC, like just a, a larger scale. This was such an important conversation. And I mean, I don't know. I think we're going to have to have you back on for more information later and updates as things change because they're going to continually change. But all of that conversation, while it involved Restart CBD several times, we talked about going to certain places and most certainly all of the links are going to be on your guest profile on my website as well as in the show notes. But Restart CBD, what kind of products can I order from you then? I mean, I know obviously it's a wide array of things, but is it going to be anything smokable? Is there going to be a gummy option available, a candy option available or like edible? Like what do you have and what can I order right to my door? Yeah, I appreciate that question. And also too, just to, you know, kind of clarify and highlight, like we get to exist in this industry. I feel like, you know, just in tagging a little bit, small business, marketing conversation. It's like, imagine you have a dream and you want to start a business, but you have to get through all the crap that we just talked about just to properly market and sell your products and get them in front of the right consumer. And so I feel very grateful that my brain has the capacity for this because I spend a lot of time steeped in the industry. And I, I mention that also because we really care. Like I'm not just somebody who's like, oh, I saw, you know, opportunity to get into cannabis and I'm going to go sell a bunch of stuff. And the reality is there's a lot of people out there who are doing that and they don't care about the consumer and they don't care about the quality of product that they're putting in their gummy or their vape or their topical or their oil. And they're selling it to you in farmer's markets and gas stations and on websites. And it's not that there aren't good products out there. And I'll be the first to say whether you shop with Restart or not. Like, I just hope you walk away being more kind of curious. Like, that's really my my whole goal with doing these is just destigmatizing, breaking down the barriers. Like, let's talk about it. Um, but when it comes to our products, you know, I mentioned we're celebrating five years in business this year. We have a brick and mortar in North Austin. So I have one retail dispensary location. And then I do have a website where I ship my products across the nation. I think I mentioned that earlier as well. Uh, but we sell all of it. So we're very up to date with what we can and can't do in terms of making sure the products that we sell are compliant. They are legal. They are tested. They are of the most quality sourcing that we could get. And we do that by being educated ourselves. So it's like, imagine all the stuff that I shared, like what exists in my brain. And so when I'm talking to vendors and sourcers and manufacturers, like I'm not just oh, cool. You got this. Like, yeah, I'll buy that from you. I'm like, I want to ask these questions and you better be able to answer those questions because I have to be accountable to my consumer. And so I want people to know that there is quality products that exist out there. Um, just have to ask questions and make sure that you're, you know, supporting businesses that, you know, are doing things hopefully the right way. And I know we're not the only one out there doing that. So with that said, yes, we legally are able to sell everything you kind of mentioned. So I would say our most popular products are going to be vape. Like you highlighted the whole, you know, kind of like vape crisis, vape issue. It certainly is uh, plaguing the cannabis space, but it still is a very popular product because concentrate is, it's potent and it's discreet because it doesn't smell like the flower. And so I would say uh, also like a side legal caveat, right? Delta 9 THC is the main psychoactive cannabinoid found in marijuana. I can only sell it to you in less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. The caveat is a dry weight basis. So I have customers who come in and they're like, oh, I would love to vape Delta 9. 
So would I. That's illegal in Texas. Delta 9 over that 0.3% weight is a felony in the state of Texas. And so I am not able to sell you Delta 9 cartridges. That's illegal. That's marijuana. But I can sell you Delta 8 cartridges. So we sell Delta 8 THC in cartridge form. It's very popular. It is a psychoactive experience. Um, But with that said, probably secondary to that is edibles. People love edibles. They're discreet as well because they are usually in a gummy form. And we have chocolate bars and we have cannabis beverages as well. So kind of depending on you know your preference. But I would say, you know, think of smoking, inhaling something to an edible. Smoking, you might feel it faster because you're inhaling it, it's hitting your system, but that effect might fade faster. Compared to an edible, the analogy I use is like you're strapped into a roller coaster ride. So it's like once you eat the edible, if you ate too much of a psychoactive cannabinoid, like you better just chill out, take a bath, go to sleep, like something. And I'm sure some people are chuckling because they've had, you know, similar experiences themselves. I know I have uh, plenty of times in my life, but that's kind of where we come in with that education. Hey, how do you want to feel? Are you looking for long-term feelings? You know, short-term, you want something quick. So walking customers through kind of that guide. And then from there, sublingual oils, topicals. Uh, We're really a full suite store and we manufacture, I would say 90% of the products are our label. Um, And again, and that's just a testament to our quality. We want to make sure what we put in the bottle is what it says it is. And I always love to highlight and remind, you know, as much as I'm in business for you guys, I'm in business for myself, but I'm the consumer first. So I want to make sure that the products are good. They work for me. I enjoy them. And so we only try to bring things to the table that work and that we've tested and that we have confidence in. And so there are certainly some products out there that, you know, I won't get into, but some other cannabinoids that are buzzworthy and they're, you know, popping up and I don't know enough about them. I just haven't researched them properly. And so, no, I don't want to bring those into my store. Okay, fine. I I just kind of tease it. HHC is one that if you hear about it, I don't know enough about it. THCO is another one. The DEA just came out and said that's a true synthetic. So you saw a lot of brands sell it. Now they had to pull that off the floor. So again, there's over 100 different cannabinoids. I sell probably five, eight, 10 of them. Um, And there's new ones hitting the market all the time. And so we're always trying to do research and due diligence to make sure that we're understanding what that cannabinoid does, um, given that there might not be long-term research on it, as well as sourcing it from people that we know are doing things in you know, an efficacious quality way. And yeah, we welcome questions. We welcome obviously customers, but really just support for the conversation that we're trying to have. And really thank you for opening the space to have this conversation and celebrate 420. I did want to mention 420. For those who don't know what 420 is and why we celebrate 420, it's just a day that the cannabis industry has used to market and celebrate cannabis that stems from a kind of folklore tale that is true. There were a couple students at a high school in California that were looking for almost like a treasure hunt of a cannabis grow. And they, their kind of code with each other was, we're going to meet 420 at this wall, at this statue. And so it was 420 Lewis. It was this Lewis Pasteur statue. And then they just condensed it to 420. So 420 was their time to go look for this cannabis grow. The cannabis grow ended up not being, you know, a reality, but they used that 420 time to get high and enjoy the plant. And so it caught on specifically with the Grateful Dead. Any Deadhead fans out there and the Grateful Dead is really who um, proliferated it and, and cemented it into a time for people to celebrate cannabis. So Usually that happens at 4.20 p.m. every day if you're a cannabis consumer like myself, uh, but certainly as a date, 4.20, April 20th, it's an opportunity for 
people like myself to participate as a brand, you know, make specials, deals. We've got a couple of fun parties that we're putting on in Austin tomorrow, some consumption events and other things going on. So again, it's just a good opportunity to talk about cannabis and hopefully help take the stigma away uh, one person at a time. Any good day that's widely celebrated has marketing behind it. I mean, look at Valentine's Day. Like that's all Valentine's Day is. It's a marketing ploy by companies to sell more, do more. Everyone's going to be talking about your industry today when this episode releases. Uh, that's right. That's, that's going to be the buzz, pun intended. And uh, yeah, that's that's what it's going to be all about. Now, I think these things are great. And you answered one of my questions. So the majority of what you sell then is stuff that you're, when you say you're speaking to vendors, you're buying product to use in order to make this product. These aren't things that you're buying from other people and then just reselling with your label on it. You're actually putting the science and knowledge behind it. Yes. So within reason, right? So like I don't make vape cartridges. I don't have sure. a facility that makes vape cartridges, but like my vape manufacturer, I do give them the rundown. I make sure that they're answering the right questions. They know their stuff. And then yes, we're putting our label on it to sell and bring to our consumers, but it is a very bespoke activity. Um, so vape is an example where I'm not making the vape. We don't make the vape here in Austin, but then like on the other end, my other top product edibles, we manufacture all of our edibles here in Austin. We don't do it explicitly again ourselves. I have a manufacturer who's just down the street from my facility and they make all of our gummies and we talk about formulations with them. We talk about sourcing, we talk about flavor profiles. So it's not just like, oh, I bought some gummies and I'm putting my label on it. It's like, like, um, these are some of our gummies right now. They're 10 milligrams CBD and 50 milligram, or sorry, 50 milligrams CBD, 10 milligrams THC. And so like the ratio we came up with, the taste we came up with, these are a mixed berry, the size of the gummy. Like we're having active conversations with our vendors to make sure that they're, you know, not just again, selling a product, but it's like, is this an effective product? Is this a quality product? Is this going to perform the way that a consumer is going to want it to perform within reason or our bodies are different? Um, but yes, we are very involved and active with all of our vendors in the whole process because I think the term early in the industry was a lot of snake oil. Yeah. And that's my biggest heartache for customers. And I applaud anybody who has had a bad experience with cannabis who has revisited it. To me, it's kind of your earlier, earlier point. You know, it's not that cannabis is the culprit, it's how we as human beings interact with cannabis. And so that's where I would argue, you know, maybe you had a bad experience because you ate. 20 milligrams of THC. I can tell you that's a lot, but maybe you'd have a better experience if you just had two milligrams of THC. I can help you achieve that. Whether you eat, you know, a quarter of this gummy or you eat one of my microdose gummies because I have lower strength. It's like, I, I just want people to know it's not just like, oh, I bought this gummy. I must eat whole gummy and gummy makes me feel good or bad. It's like, no, maybe the gummy will feel good. Maybe the gummy will feel bad, but there's so much more questions to it, you know? What time did you eat it? How many milligrams was it? So customers come in and they're like, oh, I bought this CBD oil or I had these gummies from this other, you know, brand at the farmer's market or the gas station or down the street. And I'm like, well, happy to have you here. You know, what can I do for you? And they go into, oh, well, I don't know if it worked or it didn't really make me feel good. And sometimes we always ask, they might not always have it, but I'll ask, do you have, you know, the label? Do you have the product? We love teaching customers how to read labels how to understand how many milligrams is in something. You know, five milligrams of THC is way different than five milligrams of CBD. 
I, for reference, can have upwards of 100 milligrams of CBD. In fact, I had 100 milligrams last night. I had a really nice cozy sleep. Uh, but if I had 100 milligrams of THC, I would be sleeping the whole week. Like I would be out on my couch for a whole week. So it's it's little things like that where customers might understand, oh yeah, I'm good with this dose, but okay, well, of what? You know, what did you have? How many milligrams? What kind of product was it? And so really getting consumers to be in the driver's seat of maybe you had a bad experience with cannabis in the past, but let me help dissect why it was so bad and how you can have a better one moving forward, whether you do want THC or not, which is really the big trigger. I think people, they want to be high or they don't want to be high, but I think we all want to feel better, better sleep, better rest, less inflammation, just better mood. And I do think cannabis can be a key to that if you know how to use it and you you know, have, have education and can properly navigate around it with great resources and great products. Last educational question, but isn't there also a difference between, you know, a THC or CBD? If I've got 10 milligrams of that, your specifically sourced CBD or THC can be a different quality than someone else's, which means that that 10 milligrams could be stronger or weaker depending on the quality of the ingredient. Is that not correct? Yes, 100% accuracy. So again, kind of getting into a little bit of, it's a plant. And so plants have variation. So if you're extracting from the plant, um, which some of our products come from plant extract, right? That is a very evolving scale because cannabis I'll use oranges again. You know, we could grow oranges in Texas all day long outside of the Texas sun. I don't think those oranges are going to be sweet and tasty and juicy like they are in Florida. But maybe if you wanted to try growing it in a greenhouse in, you know, East Austin, if you're a good grower and you've got some good lights, maybe you can make that, you know, better. Uh, so think about cannabis with that same variability. Certain growing environments are going to produce better percentages, I don't even want to say better quality, different percentages. So different genetics is kind of a term we use in the industry. Some will be 13% THC. Some will be 4% THC. All hemp will be less than 0.3% THC. And so just like THC has variabilities and potency, so does CBD, so do these other hundred plus cannabinoids. So yes, genetically it's a plant. There's going to be variation to it, but I would say dosage wise, usually the ranges are pretty consistent. So it's like if I like 10 milligrams from your product and I have 10 milligrams from my product, usually it'll be pretty comparable of the effect. However, yes, there is definitely different degrations of quality. And so that's why I really just encourage people to do their homework, ask the right questions, try different products, be safe uh, when you're consuming, especially edibles. I don't like people to have bad experiences. So I say start low and increase from there. Um, I'll make another little plug for our YouTube channel, which is why I have all these products in my office right now. We just- And plug it while you're there, plug it all. YouTube, social media, you're a marketer, so I know you have all of those things. So please tell I us- I do have all it's of It's going to be in the show notes, but I don't know how many listeners actually know show notes exist and read it. So sometimes they want to hear it. So just tell us where to find you and connect with you and learn. RestartCBD.com. We ship nationwide. Uh, also come visit us in Austin. We have a dispensary if you're ever here. Uh Instagram, YouTube, we're at Restart CBD. Those are our two main channels. And then me, I'm at Instagram at the Shade Atrabi. So the and then my first name, last name. I do a lot of cannabis education as an independent personal brand. But our YouTube channel right now, I'm doing a series where I 
I can only do one a day if you can imagine, because I don't want to like compound different gummies and different edibles effects. So I have to like be a clear mind. And I usually start around this time. So I'll probably get done recording with you and eat a gummy and record myself. But I've been doing effects videos and it's been really fun for our audience because no, me eating a gummy, you're probably going to have a different effect than I do. But me eating a gummy might show you, hey, how did it affect her? How long did that gummy take to take effect? And so I started with our five milligram product and then I did our 10 milligram and this is all Delta 9 THC. I'm starting there first. I did five, 10 milligrams. And then I went to this one, a 10 and 50 ratio. And then I did a 20 milligram cooking episode where my husband and I went to the grocery store and I'm like, I don't know, can I recreate this dish on 20 milligrams of THC? And Again, it's just, it's an effort to help people understand and like go through that journey of, it's not just eat this gummy. I would ask questions. Well, how many milligrams is that gummy? Is that gummy CBD or THC? Those are going to produce different effects. So again, this language, getting people comfortable to know, you know, A from Z, from D from B, like they're all different products and they'll all essentially affect you differently. And, and all I can ask is, if I haven't, you know, beat it dead, just be curious, you know, start somewhere and start low and ask questions. And we're certainly here to help guide and support. We have a chat on our website. We're very responsive on Instagram. And like, as much as I know, my team knows infinitely equal, if not more than I do. And we just, we love having these conversations and helping people, yeah, ask and answer based on their specific circumstances and situation. Yeah. I'm glad that my business podcast has transformed into such a Uh, an interesting topic. You know, if it's not interesting to everyone else, selfishly, I had a great time and absolutely enjoyed. You're a wealth of knowledge and you have no problem articulating that knowledge and speaking on it so well. So I appreciate your time today. I don't want to take away from your time getting in that video because, you know, it's work and it's important and you have to get to it. So um, you know I, I won't take up any more of your time. I mean, we've been on for an hour and 20. I feel like I could go for another hour and 20, no problem. Um, but I'm going to let you go and we'll just, we'll put the caveat that you have to come back at a later time and update us on where Texas is going after this legislative session. And then unfortunately it. we'll have to wait two years for the next time to get another update, but this has been great. And right from my home state of Texas. So I just can't thank you enough for being on the show and talking with me today. Oh my God, my pleasure. I always welcome these conversations and just have to give you um, a wealth of gratitude as well for making the space. I know you said maybe not everybody, maybe not all your listeners, this is their cup of tea, but I do believe, you know, taking these conversations and putting them in mainstream media. And I will say this is mainstream to the extent that it's not niche. I'm not talking to a cannabis podcast where people know what they're getting into when they talk about it. It's you know, talking about businesses and marketing. And this is a very burgeoning industry that just we really appreciate the collective uh, ability to have these conversations. And I'm grateful to be a representative having it for Texas. So look forward to more conversations. It's going to be insane when we look back on this episode 20 years from now. And we're like, oh, my God, listen to how we talked about this. And then now in this other world, it's going to be so accepted and so normal. I mean, I think about it. Basically, I've said for a long time with THC, with CBD, with any product of hemp or marijuana, we are going through our own prohibitionary period right now, where on the other side of this, we're going to be like, oh yeah, grandpappy grew up and he was out there bootlegging marijuana and dealing drugs on a street corner like a hoodlum. And, you know, we're going to have those conversations and laugh about it and be like, but no, wait a minute, people's lives were really trashed over marijuana. And, And I'm not saying that 
laws are laws. We should follow laws. That's why jails and prisons exist. And uh, the you know judiciary system is there and, and everything else. Like all of these things exist for a reason. I'm not glorifying breaking the law, but I'm just saying our minds are going to be so different 10, 15, 20 years from now or 50 years from now. We're going to look back on this period and be like, dang, grandpa, I can't believe there was a time that weed was illegal in the United States. Like now it's everywhere at corner stores. You know, it's going to be crazy. No, 100%. We talk about that all the time, just, you know, in the industry, looking at states like Colorado, for example, where you can be 21, turning 21 today and walk into a dispensary legally, having never had to interact with a drug dealer, never having to, you know, feel like you're going to get arrested or prosecuted for having cannabis. It's totally normal. And it's just like a rite of passage. Like, hey, I turned 21. I'm going to go buy liquor now. I'm 21. I'm going to go buy cannabis. And so, Yes, we're in a state where that's not quite the reality. But again, to my earlier point, I think hemp's legalization has really flipped the lid on this whole conversation. And so I feel very excited that we get to have this conversation in Texas. And yes, absolutely. I feel like we're in prohibition and we're we're just sort of pounding on the pavement and we're making progress. And then we're, you know, making two steps backwards, but then we're taking some progress again. And it's a beautiful thing because it's really humbling. It's showing me, you know, just how the world works to some extent for better or worse. And so it's putting a lot of things in perspective, but also really exciting to get to, again, be a professional voice in the conversation to where, like, don't get me wrong. My whole office for people who can't see has like cannabis paraphernalia. Like I am so happy. Like when my parents come over, they're like, Ooh, what'd you do to your office? You know, again, I live and work in a space where I've full support of my parents and my family of my friends. I live this plant out loud, but I will not be the person that's going to go down to the Capitol and smoke a joint on the steps in, you know, in protest with a cannabis flag and be like, you better legalize, you motherfuckers. It's like, that's just not how you're going to get change to be made. And so I'd much rather go in in a cute power suit with my cowboy boots, with some literature and sit down and talk to them, you know, like a human being and say, let's talk about some upcoming pieces of legislation and how you can help us and we can help you make sense of it all. And so I just think that's the reality is, is you know, more people to recognize, you know, how you make change in a conversation like this. And hopefully that resonates with people too. If they want to get more connected to the advocacy work and just really pay attention to what we're doing, maybe you're not in the industry, but you want to support it, texashempcoalition.org on Instagram. They are, and I don't just say this because I'm a part of it. Uh, there's there's very few people who are stepping up to lead an advocacy here in Texas. And, and this organization is very impactful for what we've been able to do and what we're continuing to do to help make cannabis accessible in the state of Texas. Absolutely. Well, you know, I am a dad, so I'm going to say it's high time that we get out of here, pun intended. And uh, I let you go and have fun with your gummies there and get us some research videos in the queue. So again, you thank you it. for joining me here. And listeners, thank you as always for tuning in and listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I hope you enjoyed the change from the day-to-day -day businesses we have on. I love them. I appreciate them. But this is a good time. I think it was a, a subject that we don't get to discuss in business very often. And I thank you for coming on that journey with me and maybe learning a little bit. And as always, I just encourage that you reach out to our guests, connect everywhere that you can, restart CBD, take a listen to To Be Blunt anywhere that you get your podcasts and just check out the stuff that they're doing and the change they're making right here in Texas. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week for another episode. But as always, stay beefy, my friends. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.